Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And welcome to a very special episode of Stage Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. Today, my friends, we are joined by a very special guest. She is a host, producer, and senior community manager of the Let's Get Ready Network which discusses all things related to the movie trivia showdown. It's Adelia Chamberlain. Hi, Adelia. Hi, Brennan. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that it's been really fun to have a lot of great guests on my show. And you were one that I definitely was very excited about getting. So thank you so much for that. Of course. So let us begin with a couple of questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. What was your introduction to Star Wars? My introduction to Star Wars was um, being asked by my neighbor if I wanted to go with them to see The Phantom Menace. I grew up in a household where we didn't watch a lot of movies. Mm. And neither of my parents are Star Wars fans. <laughs> I'm not sure they know anything about it, to be perfectly honest. So um, it was just something that I didn't grow up watching. Um, but I went to see The Phantom Menace when it came out. And uh, I was hooked after that. Awesome. You know, Star Wars is such an amazing franchise. In that as long as it's been around, it's had different ways to get people into it, whether it's the original trilogy, whether it's the prequels or the sequels, or kids who grew up watching the Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, those who maybe watched the droids or Evox cartoons in the mid-1980s. You know, it's had so many great entry points, and that's really neat that your entry point was the Phantom Menace. Um, so you went and saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Did you know really anything about the Star Wars universe at that point? I, you know, I'd heard things. You know, I knew who Darth Vader was. Mm-hmm. I knew who Luke Skywalker was. Um, I had no idea while watching The Phantom Menace that Anakin Skywalker was Darth Vader. Oh, interesting. Um, I knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father. But when first watching The Phantom Menace, I didn't know Anakin and Vader were the same person. Very interesting. You know, what was that like for you to make the realization that, oh, they are the same person? Um, I watched the original trilogy after I saw The Phantom Menace. And when um, the Emperor brings up that Luke is Anakin Skywalker's son, I went, oh, well, that's interesting because I know from, you know, pop culture that Darth Vader is Luke's father. So I went, Oh, okay. That's that's who that is. Okay, that I can't wait to find out how that happened. That's very interesting. And you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because the original edit of the Empire Strikes Back, the Emperor does not say that during the dialogue. That was okay. added in one of the re-releases, and I thought that was interesting. Now that you mentioned that that I think if if it had been the original 
unedited trilogy. The name Anakin Skywalker doesn't appear until Return of the Jedi. Okay. When Obi Wan mentions it, but it's interesting that George Lucas, uh, the special edition and subsequent versions that the Emperor say Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. It's interesting so that you got to see it at the time that you did. So that that little detail was there that wasn't yeah. in like the original version of the film. Yeah, I've never seen the original versions of the films. I've only seen the special editions. Interesting. So. It's just so amazing to, to examine that because uh, it, it, that's just un- new for me. I was not, I had not really thought of that until you mentioned it. That's a very interesting point. I know that for me, my parents saw Star Wars in the theaters. Um, my dad did. He saw it in theater. My mom saw it at a friend's house. So they were big fans. And I, um, and, and I guess it sort of passed to me. I think the Muppet Babies may have introduced me to Star Wars. Oh, okay. I remember that show. Um, I do remember Muppet Babies. I did a Star Wars episode. I think I may have seen it before I ever watched the movies, but I uh, I don't remember the first time I got introduced to Star Wars because I've been watching them since I was probably probably four years old, five years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. So my next question would be, what is your favorite Star Wars film? Well, that's a difficult one. Mm. Because um, Empire Strikes Back and Revenge of the Sith are very close for me. Good choices. And everybody um, I know talks about how great Empire Strikes Back is, and it is. But there's something about Revenge of the Sith, and I've never quite been able to like put my finger on it, what it is. Oh. But there's just something about Revenge of the Sith that I really, really enjoy more than most of the other ones. Yeah, you know, it's surprising. Well, so I guess it's not surprising, but a lot of people, that's their number one, is Revenge of the yeah. Sith. I've heard that. If you had asked a lot of fans back maybe in 2005... They might have gone, oh, the prequels suck. You know, they would have. Yeah. But now the time has sort of allowed things to cement into place. I find that a lot of people, that is their favorite movie. And I think it's an excellent choice. Um, do you, what are sort of the highlights in that movie that, that really make you love it? I enjoy the dynamic between um, not just Obi-Wan and Anakin in that movie, but also Anakin and um, Yoda in that movie. Interesting. So um, the fact that they don't necessarily trust Anakin and Anakin therefore doesn't necessarily trust them. And it really is interesting and appealing to me. And it started when I first watched it for when I watched it for the first time, started to really, you know, make me realize, okay, this is sort of what leads him down this path. And then like with the, the catalyst of it being Padme, who I adore, I, mm-hmm. Padme is one of my favorite characters. Um, it just made sense that he couldn't lose her. I mean, he's been so obsessed in a way with her since he was a child. Mm-hmm. So it, it made sense to me the way 
the reason why he he went to the dark side made yeah. sense to me but um i wouldn't say it was the most well executed part of the film no but you know certainly the ideas are, are good yeah the ideas are good i really love the the whole prequel era i think there's a lot of really rich storytelling oh, yes. that you oh, could yes. do there but um there are parts of the movies that are just really like oh that could have been done better yeah yep yep um for me Empire Strikes Back is my favorite um, mm-hmm. when I was a kid it was Return of the Jedi because you know had the most action and stuff Empire as a kid I thought Empire was boring yeah and now as an adult I watch it and I go there's a lot here oh yeah um, that's my favorite and I think that what you were saying about Revenge of the Sith that the Jedi are doing these sneaky things. You know, it, and it causes Anakin to go, do I trust these guys? Yeah. Which then allows the Emperor to kind of sneak in there and Palpatine to manipulate it. You know, it's really interesting. So you may have yeah. already mentioned it, but who's your favorite Star Wars character? My favorite Star Wars character is Leia. It's Leia. Okay. No, you old dad me in high regard, so I was yeah, thinking I wonder if that's her favorite character. I like I'm I'm one of those people that's like, oh, I wish I could have seen Padme and Leia together. Mm, yeah. I just Yeah, that I, was a missed opportunity. Yeah. And um I really uh I just really like both of those characters, but there's something about Leia. That when I was watching when I was a kid um, about her, how strong of a female character she is. And like the movies that I watched growing up were like romantic comedies that my oh. parents wanted to watch. And um, the, not necessarily known for having really strong female characters. Unfortunately, no. Yeah, unfortunately, no. So when um, I watched the original trilogy for the first time, I was like, oh, she's badass. Mm-hmm. And I really like her. And I can't believe that a character like her is actually in a film because, like I said, I didn't grow up watching movies very much. So um, just seeing Leia on screen, it just made me fall in love with her. And then learning more about Carrie Fisher as a, a person yeah. and how open she was with her struggles and everything. Oh, yes. I really re- I really relate to that because I go through a lot of the same struggles. So just the whole Carrie Fisher makes Leia better and how strong Leia is on screen the way she played her makes Carrie Fisher better in my eyes it's just it's a symbiotic relationship that's really um really nice oh yes very much so and it's interesting you mentioned the uh Padme and Leia idea um the idea that I think that the original idea in George Lucas's mind was that Padme was going to live for a couple of years and then die basically of heartbreak. Yeah. <clears throat> what happened to her husband? Um, and that is the one thing that I that I I've come to accept the prequels as they are, but that would have been a fantastic addition. Yeah, and, and that's like the one thing that I hate the most about Revenge of the Sith is the way Padme just yeah. dies. She just dies. <clears throat> yeah. Well, 
now that we've discussed, you know, layout and Padme, we are going to now get into the main topic of our discussion today. Okay. And Adelia and I are going to discuss the women in Star Wars, particularly Leia, Padme, and Rey. So do you want to begin in the timeline or in the release of the movies? Whichever way you want to do it. So let's begin with Leia, with the release of the films. Okay. Leia is sort of the prototypical badass woman that we have come to love in our modern time. Mm-hmm. Leia then leads to Ripley in Aliens and leads to all these other fantastic female characters that are like the these strong characters that we enjoy seeing uh, on film today and we could trace that to a degree back to Leia because she is a take charge, no nonsense uh, insulting her captors insulting her rescuers and just being Leia, being a feisty princess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the thing that, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that um, drew me to Leia most of all was just how she took charge. She didn't defer. And um, there's just something about that that really, it, it stuck with me. Because mm-hmm. I, I'm one of those people that like women are independent thinkers and women can make up their own mind and don't tell me what to do. I will decide on my own kind of person. And so to um, see that reflected on screen, which, like I said, I hadn't really seen reflected on screen before, mm-hmm. was um, very appealing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Leia is just, Leia is one of the greatest female characters, if not the greatest yeah character in film and i think that what you said about what carrie fisher brings to it is absolutely true i mean leia is leia is carrie fisher and carrie fisher is leia it's oh yeah and um i think that leia was interesting because she was a princess and she needed rescued yeah but not exactly in the traditional I can't do anything myself kind of thing. Yeah, she wasn't a damsel in distress. No, no, no. I got the idea of saving a princess from the bad guys is a very old fairy tale idea. Oh, yeah. But I love that they kind of breathe new life into it. By saying, well, the princess doesn't have to be the old woe is me hiding in the corner kind of thing. Yeah, that was one of the things that um, first grabbed me about Leia was, you know, here's this princess. We established very early on in the film that she's a princess and it like took the trope and flipped us on its head. Mm -hmm. She didn't need saving necessarily. She just needed an opportunity to get out and then she was going to get out. And Luke coming in and Han gave her that opportunity. Yeah. And she took it. And I love that as soon as they're out, in the hallway, she's like, you didn't have a plan for getting out? 
Yeah. <laughs> and then she grabs so she the just, gun and she's like, I'm going to yeah. do it. Yeah. So. You have no plan. I'll make a plan. Let's go. Yeah. You know, it's just so amazing that this movie even succeeded to begin with. This B movie where everything could have gone wrong. And yet it pulled itself together so nicely. And Leia is just such a wonderful creation. Now I gotta ask, what do you think of the hairdo in the original the, film? The hair is interesting. Leia's hair in every film is interesting because I just sit there going, how would you do that in the morning? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, how many people have to help you to get your hair to look like that? Um, it's kind of, uh, it, it looks like she has, you know, two buns on the side of her head. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's iconic now. But it's very strange. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like no one would wear their hair like that. I actually discovered the origin of that. Oh yeah, there is actually a real world uh, connection. In 1910, there was a revolution in Mexico. Okay. Some of the revolutionary women wore their hair like that. Oh, interesting. Okay. I found a photograph of a woman. She had her hair done just like Leia's. But even more ridiculous than Leia's, actually. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, okay, well, there's the. I mean, Maya is a revolutionary, so I think Lucas uh, is borrowing from that idea. Yeah. And now, the other two films are interesting because her hair is not quite as elaborate, but still, it's a lot of hair. It's a lot of uh, hair. Pigtails and, and ponytails and tied around and braids and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So Leia in a New Hope, you know, introduces this fantastic character. Ultimately needs the opportunity to escape. And what she does, she takes charge. Oh yeah. There's no question who's in charge. And uh and then we get her in the Empire Strikes Back with her relationship with Han Solo. Um what are your thoughts on the great quote unquote great romance of Han and Leia. I didn't buy into it at first. Oh. I didn't really buy into it until Return of the Jedi. Okay. Because it's like you miss the beginning of it. That's you, true. It doesn't it doesn't really you don't see it develop. You just like are jumping in with a with a, a combination of Han trying to kiss her and get her alone. Mm -hmm. um, and then her trying to deny that anything's happening between yeah. them. And then somewhere along the lines, when Han is about to be put into the carbonite, mm -hmm. Leia makes the decision to just say, I love you, which great, but I didn't buy it at the time. Yeah. Now looking yeah. back on it, knowing everything I know about Han and Leia and the, and the great love story, I, I like it a lot more. Yeah. But at first, I was just kind of like, what is happening here? Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. You know, you mentioned um, like me having watched Star Wars since I was a little kid, I never gave it a second thought. But yeah. Seeing it when you were old enough to be like, wait a minute, it's an interesting. Because you're right, when the movie starts, it's implied that they're in a relationship or at least they're 
attracted to each other, but we never really saw that. There was a thing in the original film. In A New Hope, where he's like, do you think a princess and a guy like me, you know? Yeah. Doesn't really go anywhere. And no. uh, it is interesting that we jump right into this. Uh, um, on again, off again, we like each other, we don't like each other. But, you know, and then, of course, the great kiss on the Millennium Falcon and all that. So, mm-hmm. so then we get um, the with Return of the Jedi, with Leia really being the. Well, let's kind of go back to the beginning of the movie, and we have to talk about it. The famous metal bikini. <sighs> That's 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 one that we look back on from a modern viewpoint. Even I'm like, mm. yeah, I I hate the metal bikini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely does not. If anything doesn't stand the test of time in Star Wars, it might be that. Yeah, because Leia was always all completely covered up in the other movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, Jabba makes her wear the bikini. And then she strangles him with a chain, which is a nice. Oh, I liked nice that down moment. with the patriarchy thing. <laughs> I liked that. Which is but, fantastic because uh, it's like, hey, there you go. Yeah. So but I, for, yeah. I hate that, that she was in that bikini. Yeah, because I think like there. Are, yeah, I think there are other ways they could have, you know, made it clear that she was now Jabba's quote-unquote slave. Yep. Without having to essentially sexualize her, yep. which yep. they had never done in any yep. of the previous films. Absolutely true. You know what's interesting is, at the old days, you know, go back maybe 10, 15 years. Every all the Star Wars conventions, I swear, at least every other woman was wearing a slave leather bikini, and I was thinking back on that, going, man. It's uh, back when things were a little more uh, overtly sexist in nerd culture. They still are, but nowadays when you go to Star Wars conventions, I think it's very rare to see a slave play a bikini. Which is like, okay, which I'm glad is kind of going away. Yeah. Then we get to lay in the rest of the film where she well, okay. There's one big one we got to cover real quick. Okay. Leia being Luke's sister. That was weird for me at first. Yeah. I knew it going in from, you know, pop culture. Yeah. Luke and Leia are, are twins or whatever. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Um, but we had this the very odd kiss yep. on Hoth. Yep. Which just gross. Yep. But, um, I kind of like the fact that there were the twins mm-hmm. because they were like two halves of something that was going to defeat the greater evil. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we saw that even come into fruition in Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. where Ray had both lightsabers, Luke's oh, and yes. Leia's. Yep. Two. Yeah. The legacy of Anakin defeats the Emperor again. Yeah. So I liked. 
um, that there were the two of them and the fact that they had very different ways of helping. Like Luke was the Jedi. Luke had the lightsaber. Luke was up there on the, the Death Star dealing mm-hmm. with the Emperor and Vader. But Leia was down there on the ground assault with the rest of the rebels, mm-hmm. you know, trying to to stop the Empire that way. So I, I, I really enjoyed how she was taking charge again and being like, yep. this is what we're going to do. And yep. um, I enjoyed seeing her getting to fight. Mm-hmm. Because we hadn't really seen that up to that point. Yeah. So. What's interesting is that you mentioned that is we come to the Battle of Endor. And Leia is absolutely instrumental in getting the Ewoks to ally with the Rebels. Oh, yeah. Because she meets Wicket and she makes friends with him. And Wicket very wisely leads her to the village. And then I love that when our when the guys get captured, Leia's just wearing that really nice dress. Yeah, she has her hair done like perfectly. And I'm like, damn, those Ewok women must know uh, a thing or two. I, I've, I've always I've always been like, where did the dress come from? How yeah. how do the Ewoks have a dress that fits a human yeah. woman? Like, apparently they have really good tailors or something. Apparently yeah. so. Yeah, I could just see some Ewok uh, lady sitting there measuring land and getting all the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is pretty funny, but I do like that dress. It's a beautiful dress. And her hair, oh my gosh, she had so much hair. Her hair looks lovely as well. I like the, um, just that that she really is instrumental in that. And then um, just a cute moment of her leaning on Han's shoulder during the storytelling with the Ewoks and he's just like he's like oh, okay yeah he's kind of yeah and then the scene where Luke talks to Leia where he goes to meet Vader and he reveals rather at an awkward time that she's his sister and, uh, and then Han's like what's going on you know and all that stuff and yeah Han being Han being you know a the insensitive male type guy. Oh yeah. But ultimately, is not as insensitive as we might. You might want us to believe, but Leia, I think, has always been in touch with her emotions as a character. She's not putting on any mask. She is who she is, and yeah, that's something I just absolutely adore about her. And what Carrie Fisher brought to the character. So then we move to the prequel trilogy. Or, or were there, were there any final things you wanted to say about Leia and the original trilogy? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Okay, so we jump to the prequel trilogy, and we get Leia's mother, Padme, played by Natalie Portman, and. Start with her in the Phantom Menace. What did you think of Natalie Portman as Queen Amidala in the Phantom Menace? I think Natalie Portman did a, a good job as as Padme. Okay. Um, she, I didn't realize how young she was or yeah, was supposed like, to be. Like Sixteen or yeah, fourteen. But yeah, yeah, and so. Um, by the time we got to 
attack of the clones and anakin was like in love with her i was like well that's weird he was a very little kid and mm. she's much older than him yeah but she's not that much older than him in it's retrospect she's as five old- years older than him yeah yeah not as much older than him as um i thought she was yeah and that just made um fandom men is more interesting to me because she's queen at such a young age yeah that is interesting and like you have to be a pretty strong person in your convictions and your your temperament to be a queen at that age dealing with someone like the trade federation representative whose name is escaping me newt gunray newt gunray um as forcefully as she was you know i'm we're not giving you this. We're not doing this. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, being um, enough of a, a politician, able to maneuver things to realize, okay, I really need the Gungans' help. So I'm going yeah. to, you know, get their help in any way. Yep. And she does it by such a a class move of look i'm begging you Mm -hmm. this is what i'm willing to do for you to help me and my people instead of just like ordering people to attack or something that other men might have done yeah yeah you're absolutely right you're absolutely right (laughs) men are big on showing you i'm tougher than you i'm stronger than you yeah she does something that night. Yeah, right. I don't think any male character would have done. Um, you know, it's interesting. So I have to confess that Padme is my least favorite part of the prequel trilogy. Okay. Um, I am was not impressed by her acting in the in the trilogy. Yeah, the acting's a little rough. I don't think that's her fault because actors only do what they're given. Yeah. And if your director is George Lucas, you have to kind of, you're left to your own devices. Yeah. As an actor. So, one thing I will say is that her Queen Amidala acting, you know, that, that horrible, um, that, that, that horrible voice, I don't know if that's her voice or if they did some digital manipulation. Yeah, that really like stoic kind of deeper voice. Yeah, which is hard for me to listen to. You will not be so pleased when you hear what I have to say. You know, very stiff. Uh, As Padme, though, what do you think, Padme, the handmaiden? She she's better because I think it's more her. Yeah, and it's not great, at least in my opinion. But I'd much rather hear her as Padme than I would as Queen Amidala. I agree with that. As for the character, though, I absolutely agree. It is a great character. Now, I gotta ask, so when you saw Phantom Menace, did you know that she was disguising herself as the No. No. I don't recall if I knew that or not, but I don't think I did. So how much of a shock did that come to you? I don't know if I'd say it was necessarily a shock. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. That, you know, 
she would be willing to put herself in a position where as a handmaiden, somebody attacking might think, oh, okay, they're not important. Yeah. You don't need to worry about them. And like still put herself at risk that way because if they're not important, we don't need to worry about them. They're also expendable. Yes. So so she can move around without being yeah. It's a very Kurosawa move. Did you ever see any of the movies by the Japanese director Akira Kurosawa? No, I haven't. Okay, in the movie The Hidden Fortress, which bears a lot of similarities to Star Wars, the the princess disguises herself as a peasant to avoid detection. Hmm. I think that's what George Lucas was lifting from in Phantom Menace. Okay. It's a very... We've seen it actually in quite a few fairy tales, like maybe it's Princess Jasmine dressing up as a peasant, or Snow White, who's actually a princess, but her evil stepmother makes her dress like a maid. Yeah. All this idea of these princesses or queens in disguise. Or also the... It reminds me a bit of the, uh, the stories of Harun al-Rashid, who was one of the rulers in medieval, like the medieval Islamic countries, who used to disguise himself as a peasant to go around the, the city and see what was going on in his in his kingdom. I think, I think that George Lucas is very wisely drawing from these great mythological traditions. Because Star Wars is, after all, a myth and a fairy tale. Yeah. And I like that she's disguised. And, and I think that Kira Knightley is awfully convincing as the fake queen. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, at the time, I don't think anybody knew who Kira Knightley was. I don't it think looks so. enough like Natalie Portman that it's, if you didn't know the secret, you might not have any idea. Yeah. And I mean, like, um, Queen Amidala had all yeah. that face makeup on oh, yeah. and stuff. So that helped disguise her even more. But yeah, I had no idea that, Interesting. that she was. Yeah. Because I don't do a lot of reading going into movies. I don't try to yeah. get spoilers and stuff. Yeah, me too. So like, there, there might have been stuff, stuff out there about how Padme was Luke and Leia's mother. But I didn't know that. So here's just the handmaiden Padme. Okay, cool. She's going to tag along for the adventure on uh, Tatooine. We'll see how that goes. And then um, the the revelation later on was just really cool to see. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, she just comes out of nowhere. She's like, I'm Queen Elvindale. Yeah. And I like that. And I like that they fool the Trade Federation. Yes. New, New Gunray sees the fake one. I think she's the real one. And he's like, he's like, this one over here is just a fake when that's actually the real queen. So it's yeah. an interesting little uh, a twist there. And now we got to talk about Padme's outfits. As queen oh, of Very elaborate. Yeah, the one that's got like the glowing lights in the skirt and yeah. It's where she changes outfits like every scene. It's pretty funny. So. Yeah. There's a lot of outfits. 
and they're all very elaborate and you can to me you can tell that at that point that this is you know a space story you know far far away from here because no one around here would wear that stuff no No. and it's also interesting to highlight the the era of the empire was very run down was very utilitarian very simple the era of the 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 last days of the republic was very elaborate everything that was very well designed everything is smooth and sleek and yeah for sure i suppose it would be like this the 80s would be like the original trilogy and the 50s would be like the prequels where the, in the 50s, you know, everybody dressed to the nines. Oh, yeah. But, like, all the cars were, like, shiny and, and had all the, you know, smooth designs. Yeah. And then you get, like, say, the 80s, and everything's kind of a little more utilitarian looking. Or to a degree. So it's kind of the comparison between the two time periods. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, so that's sort of the Phantom Menace. What do you think? What do you think her outfits when she's just Padme? Those I like them much better. Yeah, Those are much more simple. She's got like the the flame colored robes mm-hmm. that they wear. She's got the one outfit that she wears on Tatooine, which which I actually really like that blue and gray. Yeah. I like that one too. I just made a mental connection. Ray wears similar colors in the sequel trilogy. She does, yeah. yeah especially in the last year. She's got the blue with the gray. Yeah. I never made that, that connection until now. Um, Not, neither did I. So. so then we jump to Attack of the Clones. What do you think of Thad being in Attack of the Clones? Um, that's a Padme and Attack of the Clones is not my favorite. Yeah. Um, Attack of the Clones is probably my least favorite Star Wars movie. I would be in agreement with you on that. Um, and she just like I, I like that she's trying to be, um, a senator. Mm-hmm. Not trying to be. She is a senator. I think it's cool that in, you know, um. Naboo's way of doing things, you can go from queen to senator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked that. Um, but uh, I don't particularly care for much about Padme in the uh, in Attack of the Clones. She's she's kind of you know not as much as Anakin, but she kind of to me comes off as whiny and mm-hmm. very annoying. That whole the whole thing of Anakin and Padme on Naboo. Mm. Yeah, I'm just not into it at all. Hashtag me too, maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just just a bit. Yeah, and th- I don't really like Padme in that movie until we get to um, the big arena on is Geonosis. Geonosis. Geonosis, yeah. yeah. When she just sort of takes charge and tries to stop herself from being killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's basically when I start enjoying Padme in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah. When she actually does stuff. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the factory scene where they're no. in the droid factory. So you're right, when they get to the arena and she's shooting people and Yeah, she climbs up, up that, that yeah, um, she column escapes. to try to yeah. 
Jesus Gates and the guys are just like, what are we going to do? Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's a very Leia move. It is, yeah. Um, I think that it's interesting that, so she's the senator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the political discussions in the prequel trilogy are interesting, I think, because at the time we were all like politics and Star Wars. And now we watch them and go, you know what? Our daily lives are filled with the same level of politics that they're talking about in the prequels. This is true. Except maybe for taxation on trade routes. <laughs> yeah, we don't hear and that all that much. That's one that we don't hear about. But the idea that we're talking about, what's the Senate voting on? What's the yeah. president supporting? What's this? What's that? You know, yeah. fine, uh, uh, particularly of the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, we weren't quite there yet as a culture. Yeah. I think in a way they're almost prophetic you know, in a strange way. So Padme goes to Coruscant. They're going to vote on a military creation act, and she gets under the several assassination attempts are made against her. Um, and then, of course, the the Jedi make the very odd move of saying, Anakin, you go escort her back to her home planet. Yeah, let's send you back to your home planet with a Padawan. Who's really horny. I've never, I've you know. never understood that. Really horny Padawan. Really, like, really um, horny Padawan. It's like, hmm, maybe they were trying to teach him, uh, I don't know. I have no idea what the, what they were doing. I don't need, I don't either. But I think it's like, interesting things about the prequels is the Jedi are idiots. Oh yeah. I mean, let's be clear: the whole story of Attack of the Clones, the woman Padme saying, "I think Count Duke is trying to kill me." Everybody else going, "Nah." Yeah. It's, it's like a cautionary tale. Let's listen. Women say they're in trouble. For sure. That's definitely something that should happen. They don't listen. They might have been able to stop the Clone War from even happening to begin with. Yeah. Like, hmm, interesting. Interesting how Star Wars often discusses things that don't become major topics of conversation for years. Introducing Leia as a badass female before that was popular. Yeah. Or Padme in politics before that was common discussion. Or hashtag Me Too. Or listening to women when they say they're in trouble, you know. Yeah. It's all very prophetic in a strange way. So, you know, we, we obviously, of course, know the romance on. Naboo, which is kind of clunky and bad dialogue and a lot of like like um that's questionable yeah i will say the, the, the town the house they go to is really nice the house they go to the this the places they go to on Naboo are beautiful yeah um the dialogue's atrocious uh, yeah and it doesn't get much better when you get to the arena and you get that i truly deeply yeah. love you or whatever yeah. which is perhaps one of the worst delivered lines probably because of how bad the line is 
that I've ever heard in a film. Yep. I yep. mean, it's bad. Yep. I think it was Ken Nansok who said if they had just taken out the dialogue in that scene, it's just them looking at each other with that beautiful music playing. Yeah. That it would have been perfect. Um, and that's one thing is even if their love story stinks, the music, the, the love story theme is beautiful. Oh, um, what's it called? Uh, Across, Across the, the stars. stars. Yeah, it's so one gorgeous. of my favorite pieces of music. Yeah, I mean, I listen to it all the time. I'm like, this is so gorgeous. So at least John Williams had his head screwed on right. So. <laughs> always he does. Oh yeah, um, always. So then we come to the, their marriage, their secret marriage at the end of of Declan Clones. Yeah. Which yet again, if the Jedi weren't such uh until anal retentive about relationships, might have saved the galaxy from genocide. Yeah. Um, and then we come to Revenge of the Sith. And they still a senator, and they're keeping their marriage secret. She's becoming concerned about democracy being slowly whittled away. These military creation acts, the one that uh, the Emergency Powers Act that Jar Jar Binks proposed in the Senate being manipulated, of course, to do so. Of course. And then Dabney sees all this going on and sees that their freedoms are slowly being taken away. She becomes very alarmed by this. Um, she said a very interesting line when she's talking to Anakin, she says, what if the Republic we thought we believed in no longer exists? Very important lines about the nature of politics, the nature of yeah. democracy. And I think we in our own time have seen where we've said those had those same conversations about what's happening to democracy, what America stands for, and things like that. So just interesting that Padme is ahead of her time in that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, the thing about uh, keeping Anakin and Padme's marriage a secret yeah. that, like, I understand why that had to happen because mm -hmm. that's just, I've never understood the Jedi thing about you yep. have to avoid all mm -hmm. attachments or whatever it is. Um, but the pregnancy part of it like, did no one really like try to question Padme on who the father? Yeah, like is? who's it? your your Billy's kind of who's the father? Yeah, no one really thought. I guess it was a oh, well, you know, we don't. There's no reason to ask her that. I don't know. Maybe they're. Uh... But yeah, it is interesting that it takes a while for anyone to figure that out. Yeah, like it, like the fact that it's not um, until. Uh, um, Obi Wan asks her yeah. if Anakin's the father. That that's even brought up. Yeah, just is it was very confusing to me. Yeah, yeah, it is like what? Um, and then we come to the idea that Anakin's having these dreams. Padme's going to die. Yeah, and Palpatine. Who I think my fan theory is Palpatine is projecting those dreams into Anakin. 
That's my I favorite. I can see that. About that. I can see that. And then, of course, the great, my favorite scene in the whole movie. Have you heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Okay. The yeah. idea that that uh, Palpatine, who knows that Anakin's worried about Padme, he says, what have I told you about a way to save life? Oh, yeah. Um, pure manipulation. Pure manipulation, absolutely. And then he tells you the fact that when Anakin chooses, he makes that fateful choice to become Darth Vader. Yeah. He says, you know, please don't help me not lose Padme. I can't live without her. That's yeah. what he says. And then he makes that choice. And then Padme goes to Mustafar to try to convince him to stop all this. He doesn't listen, in fact, because Obi-Wan stowed away on the ship. He thinks Padme did that. Yeah. And so he strangled her, you know, with the force. It's actually a quite shocking moment if you think about it. Yeah, sort of a, a domestic violence moment that yeah, I strangling didn't particularly... his pregnant wife. It's like, oh my. Yeah, I did not care for that moment. No, I mean, it only shows that Vader is evil. Yeah, there's yeah. no question there. There, there are other ways to show that. Yeah, that's true. It's true. It's nasty. Yeah. And then, of course, we know that Padme is taken by after Obi Wan defeats Anakin. Padme is taken to the asteroid Polis Massa, where she gives birth to the twins, and then she dies in kind of an anticlimactic way. Oh yeah, it's just like okay, she's gone. What? And then, of course, there's the big funeral with her at the same time that Anakin's getting his Vader suit. Yeah. I thought the, the funeral scene was very pretty. Oh, yes. It was very nice. But the the death scene was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, like, there's really? still good in him that she's dead. <laughs> yeah, there's not much there. So it's kind of like, mm. and then the is it the medical droid or a doctor? I can't remember. Yeah, which. the medical droid. That's just like I think she died of a broken heart. Like what? Like, oh, okay. You, you, huh? I was very confused by that. That's my least favorite part of yeah. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah. And but it's interesting that I still think Padme is a great character, no matter. Oh what. yeah. I think that, you know, even if she's got bad dialogue and the acting's not very good, the characterization, I think, is interesting. Particularly when you add the Clone Wars series into the mix. And I think Kat Tabor does a great job voicing Padme. And it really expands the character. Yeah, what I've seen of the Padme in the Clone Wars, which I don't recall it, as easily as I recall the movies. Okay. But I really liked her um, her character in the Clone Wars that I've seen because you could see how Leia is a, a product of her mother, yes. even though Padme didn't raise Leia. Yep, that's true. And I, I did enjoy that. Very much, yeah. Of course, that's, the, that's sort of the end of our discussion of Padme, do you have any final thoughts on Padme? I love Padme as a character. 
I think that the performance by Natalie Portman could have been much better, particularly in Attack of the Clones, but they were given such rough dialogue at parts and the story just the end of her story just makes no sense to me yeah but i think padme's a great character i know there's the novels about padme mm-hmm. i really want to read those i haven't gotten around to it yet yeah me too Queen's um, Barrel and so i'm looking forward to those i as much as i can learn about that character i'm happy to learn and I'm glad to see that the fandom is embracing her more and more as the years go on. Yeah. Yep. So that ends our discussion on Padme. Now we jump to the sequel trilogy and Ray. Ray Palpatine, Ray Skywalker, Ray from nowhere, whatever her name is. Just Ray. I prefer Ray. Just Ray. Just Ray. Just Ray. So we come to The Force Awakens. The introduction of this fantastic character. Ray is oh, I love one of my so favorite much. characters. She is fantastic. Daisy Ridley came from like complete obscurity. I've done a couple of British TV shows. Yeah. I had never heard of her. And I they put her in, and it was like, this girl is a breath of fresh air. Yeah. She is everything I think that I hoped that Padme would have been. In terms of the, the acting, the writing, the character. Yeah. Um, but she comes along and she just completely wins over everybody. And and it's just so amazing that these actors come out of nowhere and just completely take the world by storm. Oh yeah. She knocked it out of the park as Ray. She was so good. Yes, fantastic, yeah. And I, I think I may have a slight crush on the character, slightly. <laughs> Just slightly. I think yeah. I may have a slight crush. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah she just um, appeals to so many people, I think. Yeah. And also her music, her theme. Oh, God, Ray's theme. <laughs> See, Ray's theme is so good. The moment that I knew that The Force Awakens had done it, I said to myself, they did it. They they made a good Star Wars movie. The moment Ray, after we first meet her, slides down the hill in her little toboggan, and Ray's theme starts playing for the first time. That was a magical moment. I remember in the theater. Yeah. Nodding my head, going, Yep, they did it. It's just such a gorgeous piece of music. Yeah. It really is. Which has become iconic. And it, I think it's a lot of people. Their favorite piece from the sequel trilogy. I think I'd probably agree on that. I'd agree on that. And then, so we introduce her. She is feisty. She is spunky. She is selfless. She is. At the moment we get to see her save BB-8. And at first she's like, no, I don't want your company. Go away. Yeah. And then she decides, okay, fine. She's like, in the morning you go. And you get that gorgeous shot of her in DD8 walking over the sand dune in the sunset. So, oh, yeah. Gorgeous shot. And then she meets Finn. And her whole world is turned upside down. As they're running from the Empire. 
at first she's like, I'll take you in my hand, you know, because Finn has this instinct to want to protect her. And it's like, yeah, oh, she doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. When, when she, um, you know, tells Finn to stop holding her hand, yeah, I that's when I went, okay, I like you. Yeah. You're, like, you're going to be fun. Yeah. Because you're not going to be um, a damsel in distress. Yeah. Again, that's the thing that I really love about all of the, th- you know, Padme, Leia, and Rey is mm-hmm. none of them are damsels in distress. Yeah. No, absolutely. They are like, go get them. Uh, they are, uh, what is that? They say aggressive negotiations. Yes. And then, so Rey is going to help Finn get off the planet. And they're running toward, I love that, they're running toward the quadjunter. He's like, well, what about that ship over there? And she's like, that's garbage. And it's and the falcon. Like, the, the garbage will do. And it's the millennium. Yeah, and it's the falcon. And then her, the first time um, we see the falcon um, in flight, Yeah. and you're like, oh, she's doing this. Okay. Yeah. Okay, she she's cool. She knows yeah. what she's doing. The takeoff was a little rough, but the, uh, the takeoff was a little rough. But then I just love the fact that she flies through the wreckage yeah. of the Star Destroyers, and I like that it's implied that she's already skilled as a pilot, but there's something that happens with the Force that she doesn't realize. Because after they escaped from Jakku, it says, how do you do that? How do you do that? She says, I don't know. And I think that's the first moment where the Force... Maybe not the first time in her life, but a moment where the force was enhancing her abilities without her knowing it. Yeah. So she's already there. And then she goes with Finn into space where they meet Hansel. Doing we're home, you know, the great moment. Yeah, no, yeah. And I love the heirs of board was so committed. If you watch Return of the Jedi and you go, at least in my opinion. You can see the Harrison Ford's a little tired of the character. Yeah. I but then when that. you get Force Awakens, he is all in. He, I mean, I think it's, I think, personally, he would have merited an Oscar nomination for supporting actor. He was so good. He was, he was so good because he was so in it. Yeah. You I, could, he, he really embodied Han again. Yeah, exactly. And it felt like Han was back. Yeah. So they, they, Han takes them to Takadana, Maz's castle. And this is where they're, they're trying to have Maz deliver the map to Leia, but she's like, no, no, you guys got to do this. And Finn wants to go away, to run away. And Ray's like, you know, I can't let you do that. And Ray is very stalwart in that idea that we can't just run away now. Yeah. And then she, of course, goes in the basement of the castle. And the infamous or great scene where she touches Luke's lightsaber. And all these um, mental images just come flooding in on her. Yeah. I love that scene. Both her own. And some of Luke's, too. Very interesting. That is a great scene. That is such a magnificent scene. You get to see the idea that Ray was left on Jakku and has lived her whole life with this 
under the thumb of Uncle Plot. And uh, we also see the destruction of Luke's Jedi Temple. Yeah. And some of those things. And that, that's pretty amazing. We heard that great line from Obi-Wan at the end of yeah. it that just made me, you know, Ray, these are your first steps, mm-hmm. I think it. is the word. Um, that's just got me so interested in, okay, it's her first steps to what? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, by that point, that really solidified to me, okay, she's the Jedi character here. Yep. yep. Which I thought was really cool that we, in the sequel trilogy, follow a, a young female Jedi. Yep. Because you got it. We'd, we'd had the, the men in the prequels and then the original trilogy. So I thought it was really cool that we we had a, a woman to follow yeah. this time. Absolutely. So she been captured by Kylo Ren. And in the great interrogation scene, which I absolutely love. That was so good. He tries to get in her head and he gets in pretty pretty well. But then she, she resists. It's it's absolutely amazing that she pushes back. And she yeah. unlocks his secret. That he's afraid he can never be as good as Darth Vader. Yeah. He can never be as awesome a, a guy. And that's what he is. Kylo is a whiny, ultimate wannabe Vader who is trying so hard, but he can never do it. Yeah. Also, my theory is we later learn we'll get there in a minute in the Rise of Skywalker of the Dyad. Yeah. I think that's the moment the Dyad activated. It's the moment he invaded her mind and she pushed back. I think you could be right about that, yeah. And you notice she never actively uses the force until no. after that scene. Yeah. That to me always um thought of as the moment that you know like the title of the film the force awake yep. woke up in her yep um she'd ha- been using it barely without knowing it but that yep. was when she finally like oh okay i have this let me use it yep she uses it on the guard yeah by daniel craig by the way which <laughs> is funny to me and she you know gets out and is able to face off I love yeah. the lightsaber duel. Um, after sadly witnessing the death of, of Han. Yes. Yeah. The thing, the thing about the lightsaber duel to me, yeah, um, was I really, for the stakes of the following movies with Kylo as the big villain. Yeah. That he was, you know, like being set up to be all throughout the Force Awakens, to have her just best him. When she'd never done anything with the lightsaber before, I was like, oh, okay, you're not that much of a threat. Yeah. You're badass, right? That was really cool. I'm glad that you have like such a natural, innate sense of how to do this, but he ain't no threat. Yeah. So I that that part I don't like about it, but the, the actual lightsaber duel is really cool. Well, it's it's interesting to me is that she's actually losing. Yeah. Until she draws on the horse. And then she Until he his... he basically tells her to draw. Yeah, and she whoops his behind. Um, yeah. It, you know, and leaves him that, that nasty scar on his face. Yeah. And, uh, and then you know, she beats him and she escapes and 
goes off in the journey to find Luke. And then that brings us to The Last Jedi, which is quite frankly my favorite of the sequel trilogy. And maybe my fourth favorite Star Wars film of all time. I have an interesting relationship with The Last Jedi because I never got to see it in the theater. Mm. I had foot surgery two days before The Last Jedi came out. Oh, man. And I couldn't walk and I had to keep my foot elevated for like a month. Oh, gosh. So I couldn't like, I had one of those little like scooters that you like oh, put yeah. your leg up with. And I, like, I thought, okay, I can go to the, uh, the theater with that and sit down and everything. But then they told me I had to have my leg elevated for so much. Oh. Um, to keep the the foot you know healing the way it was supposed to so it's like okay well i'm never gonna get to see this in the theater now unless Dang. they re-release it at some point and it comes here to my small little town in nebraska which probably it won't mm. but um i have seen it at home i had to wait of course till it came out on digital to see it um i don't hate the film but i don't love it either but my favorite part of um, The Last Jedi is Rey and Kylo's dynamic. Yes, yes. The Force bond yes. um, is just fascinating to me. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about the Finn and Rose story. Maybe it doesn't work. Yeah. Canto stuff... Bite does not work. Yeah, I mean, I like it, but that's a whole new. Yeah. Yeah, it is a little odd, but the whole Ray and Kylo thing, thing with Luke, to me, that's all great. Um, well, one of my favorite parts of the Ray and Kylo thing is that Ryan Johnson basically took the trope of the hero is the affluent one from the the you know the pretty okay family to um, going on this hero's journey, and the villain is the one that's you know had a, a you know, not a great life, not, you know, had a great family situation, mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And he flipped it. Yeah, absolutely. He gave, he gave um, Kylo the, you know, the hero family, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, perfect setup uh, background to be a mm -hmm. hero. Yeah. And he gave Ray, you know, the abandonment and everything that sort of makes people bitter and turn into villains. Mm -hmm. And that fascinates me. That Absolutely. He's to do that. Absolutely. I mean, Ryan Johnson is a tremendous filmmaker. Knives Out was fantastic. Yes, it was. Um, he is so good. And uh, so with Ray, you know, it's interesting in that because Ray is really important to that story because A, her and Kylo are that this dynamic. Yeah. And B, her and Luke, she's the one that has to convince Luke to stop melting around. We have faith in the Jedi again. Yoda has to come and give Luke a little slap on the side of the head and say, hey man, you're getting this all wrong. And uh, which then causes Luke to appear and save the day. Yeah. In a non-violent way, which I think is incredible. But it took Ray to convince him. And I think that's fantastic that Ray is the one that you'd think that Luke would be the wise old man with all the answers. Yeah, I did like that too. Ray comes in and is like, 
he had it all wrong in her faith. In the Jedi is what brings Luke out of his um, slump. And then, of course, this leads to Ray leading and the great throne room scene. Oh, so good. Which that's, is, my, that's my favorite scene in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm in agreement. There's such a unexpected twists and turns. The movie is anything but predictable. Yeah. Which I think is really the, cool. The throne room scene when Kylo kills Snoke, I was like, oh, okay, you actually do have like a little bit of edge to you, a little bit of bite yeah. to you, that you can be a good villain. Yeah. And then it didn't end up turning out. he chooses out. not to. <laughs> he chooses yeah. not to. But, I um, my boss so I could take his place. Kind of yeah. Um, I really love that scene. And I love that, you know, they basically, he saves her in a way. Yeah. And then at the end of that scene, she throws him the lightsaber and basically saves him. Yeah, absolutely. Ray is all kinds of awesome. And uh, yeah. also the great thing that, that Ben was able to fool with the whole lightsaber trickery thing. Turning the lightsaber in his hand at the same time he was turning the display and still couldn't see that that was what was going on. And then Ray, of course, hopes that Ben will choose the light, but he doesn't. And, and that's the end of that, unfortunately. And goes off and he's able to save her friends. Yeah. But great when Luke is able to distract the first one. And, yeah, uh, I, I like that scene with Luke uh, distracting uh, Kylo in the First Order Yeah. Um, so they can escape. But God, they made Kylo a whiny brat. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just like you could have, he could have been a really cool villain, I think, trying to, you know, being Darth Vader's grandson, fall into the dark side, have this great contrast with Rey, which I think they still get, did have a good contrast, but he's just, he does not act like he's, I believe, 10 years older than Rey. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty whiny. So. Uh, now I have to ask before we end the last year life. Were you aware of the Raylo thing? Oh yeah. I, I've been aware of Raylo for a while. Okay. Your, any opinions on the matter? I can see how people want that. I can also be like it's completely unnecessary to have them have any sort of romantic connection whatsoever okay um but i can see people wanting a romantic connection in the sequel trilogy which we just don't have mm -hmm. there's no romantic connection for ray we've got the little bit of finn and rose in the last jedi that just doesn't work for me and that's it so i can see people like wanting to take that like um Han and Leia dynamic and wanting to apply it to Rey and, yeah. and Kylo, but I don't. <laughs> um, he tries to manipulate her too much. He tries yeah. to, like, there's a lot of things that would make that a really unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would be 
like I could understand Raylo a little bit if Kylo had survived the end of Rise of Skywalker and been removed from all of that for a while and really changed as a person and demonstrated that yeah. in like another movie, then I'd be like, okay, I can understand going to the Raylo place now, but not not in these movies. Okay. We'll never go down a Raylo rabbit hole on Twitter. Let me just I don't. I don't. I made that mistake and uh we're on Deviant Art. Don't go into it. No, no. Yeah. There's some very passionate people about Raylo. And, you know, if that's what you want to, you want to do, I celebrate that. Like that's, that's your right. And you're, I think it's great that every it's subjective and it hit everybody a different way, but not, not my thing. Let's just say that no one was more upset about the Rise of Skywalker than the Raylos. Oh yeah. They were very upset. I did. I do know that. Which then brings us to the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Is a movie that is difficult to have an online conversation about uh, because it does bring out some very, very strong opinions. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoy the film. So um, do I. I mean, obviously, there's a few things where it's like, hmm. It's not the best one. No. But I, I do enjoy it for what it is. What do you think about the idea of the movie begins? How do you find that Ray has been training under Leia? I like that concept, but it was very weird for me to see because of the fact that Carrie was gone yeah. and they were using that um, different footage yeah. just made to fit in. And you could tell that like they only had so much. So they were trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was just weird for me. But I do like the fact that we got to see Leia, you know, being, you know, really show that she knew how to use the force okay yeah that that she knew enough to teach ray yep and continue what luke um had you know started with ray yeah exactly so i did like that dynamic because it did lead to the whole uh, luke and leia being like two halves of a whole that contribute to bringing down palpatine Absolutely so I did agree. enjoy that. Ray then is doing a lot of research in the Jedi text. Yeah. Which were not burned when Yoda destroyed the tree because we actually see them in the Falcon. That's and right. The you do, Jedi. Yeah. She's doing a lot of research. And then they the, the our heroes learn that Palpatine's returned and that they gotta find Exegol. And Ray leads them on the journey. We could. There's a lot to discuss there, but we just won't. That, that, than, that'd be that'd be six hours. Other than so, Ray is very interrupted and wants to go. Yeah. Cautions her not to go, but Ray's like, "I'm going to go anyway," and they all go together. Ray, Finn, Poe. Yeah. Finally, getting to see the three of them together. Finally, so that they was, go to yeah. yeah. That was really nice. They go to Pasana, a desert planet, where they meet, of course, Lando, which is really neat. And then they, you know, they end up being on the run from the the types of Ren who are kind of wasted. And Kylo, and then they get stuck in the, the sinking fields, and then they find the dagger. 
Yeah. And then they, uh, then, you know, this is where Pisana Ray thinks she accidentally killed Chewbacca. And, and that's yeah. a bit, but we, we won't go into that. Yeah. That's another thing that drives people crazy. Um, but seeing her exert the force to the degree that she ends up using the dark side, not really realizing it. Which is, which is interesting. Yeah. I really liked um, most of that scene. I, I loved the flip over the, the TIE fighter. Yeah, oh, yes. Um, I, I just love that she was confident enough to know that she could do that. Yep. Um, yep. I, but the, the Chewbacca thing, yeah, let's not get into that. Yep. Um, yep. But I, I liked be, seeing her use the Force so easily yep. even if that meant she tapped into the dark side too easily at the end of that and yep. used the force lightning yep. but um i i did enjoy seeing growth from ray at that yeah. point as far as her command of the force yeah. even though it's still you could tell by tapping into the dark side that she still didn't have complete command yeah. of it yeah and then of course she really finds herself concerned she talks to Finn she's like I'm scared of this power that's in me and then she was having visions of sitting on the throne of the Sith and yeah which to go back on your um point from Padme and the Anakin and the Phantom Menace I could Mm -hmm. totally see that Palpatine was projecting that into her head yep the way that he you think he was projecting the visions of padme into anakin's head i absolutely think so um and then then of course they go to kajimi where they meet you know the crew that that toe used to hang around with and uh they have another one of those uh, force connection moments yeah like grown even stronger which is kind of cool and then um, they go on board the Star Destroyer to rescue Julie. And this is where she confronts Kylo. Yeah. Escaping, and then he tells her the movie's big twist that you're a Palpatine. Yeah. Now, what did you think of that overall? I um, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I, I'm the same. I I prefer the idea of Ray from nowhere. Her parents were just, you know, sold her for drinking money, basically. Yeah. I, I prefer that idea, but I also understand how they had to... They were really shoehorning Palpatine into that movie, in yes. my opinion. Because there was, like, no seeding of little, you know, putting little seeds of the idea that Palpatine was still out there in the first two movies. Mm-hmm. in my opinion so it's just like oh palpatine's back like i thought maybe we'd we'd get to some sort of like discovery from ray or something like that in yeah. from meditating on the force no it's the opening crawl yep. <laughs> palpatine's back. He's back okay um i uh i don't hate the fact that she is his like she's the daughter of a clone of him so yep. like that confuses me is she like yep. granddaughter is she the technically yeah. his daughter like it's very yeah it's very messy that whole thing yeah but i don't hate it yeah um i think that 
the idea of her rejecting what Palpatine she's trying to like tell her oh this is part of who you are yeah that part I like yeah that goes back to the the strength uh, of these these three you know big female characters is ray is like no i might be somehow your lineage but i'm not a member of your family i'm me and this is this is what i'm going to do i like that about ray absolutely and then they go she goes to um beer on, on the ruins of the Death Star, gets the other Wayfinder, and then fights Kylo. Big duel, where of course she um, becomes one of the Force and allowing Ray to stab Kylo. But then um, Ray, who's always been very compassionate, heals him. Yeah. Like she did with the, the snake on the Asana. And this is where Kylo, of course, has his big gets rid of the Kylo and goes back to being Ben. And I like that they have that the, the memory of Hansel, which is a repeat of basically repeats what happened in the, in the Force Awakens. I Except love that scene. This time he chooses the right thing. Yeah, I love that scene. I love it. Um, it is so good. It's so good. I love that Harrison Ford came back for that. I love how Harrison Ford committed to that scene too. You could really tell. He did. And um, I I like that scene for a number of reasons. The main one being you finally get to see this father and son relationship that was so central to part of why Kylo did what he did. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and uh, the thing that bothers me the most about that scene though is the end where he throws away his lightsaber. It's like, well, that could be useful. True. <laughs> I mean, um, I I understand the symbolism of it. Like, okay, this yeah. is this is this is me as Kylo. I'm I'm eschewing Kylo and I'm becoming Ben again. Um, here, let me get rid of this, you know, thing that clearly, you know, is a a, a view of Kylo. But yeah. I, I just like, and then the the other thing that I I don't like about that scene, and it's nothing about the scene, it's everything about what comes after it, is that it's literally the last time we hear Kylo, Ben, whatever he is at that point, talk. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that really yeah, bothers me. Yeah. Then we come, so Ray goes back to October after this and is like, tries to burn her spaceship does burn it, tries to throw away everything. Tries to throw away the lightsaber and Luke's ghost appears and catches it. Yeah. And it talks to her about her destiny and confronting fear and that Leia, even though she sensed that Ray was Palpatine's granddaughter, Leia didn't care about that. Um, yeah. And realized that that wasn't set in stone. And then we learn about Leia's lightsaber. Yeah. We love, and uh, mm-hmm. Luke gives both of them to Ray, that to Ray. Ray has both sabers, and then she leaves in Luke's old X-wing, which I think is really neat. Yeah, 
Uh, I, I love that we get to see Luke raise the X-wing yeah. out of the water. It's like the way Jordan that did. he he couldn't do it in yeah. Empire. Yep. So. Absolutely. And then Ray goes to Exegol and confronts her grandfather who wants to basically her to kill him so that he can his spirit can possess her body and stuff. And she of course refuses and with with Ben's help takes on all the guards and, and together. I like, I like that fight. Yeah. It's one of my my favorite fights of that film. Yeah. Um they together take on Palpatine. He draws energy from their diet and then uses that to make his power really great, but then they defeat him. Ray defeats him after Kylo gets knocked in that hole, or Ben, I should say. Yeah. And she uses the two lightsabers to reflect Palpatine's lightning back on him. The legacy of Anakin Skywalker's children destroying yeah. Palpatine. And then, of course, this kills Rick. Mm-hmm. And then Ben climbs out of the hole and using the same force healing technique brings her back to life. Also, his own life. And we could. We could certainly debate that, but that would take an hour or more, and we'd have to. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be a long debate again. I'm gonna go, and then Ray comes back alive, and then they kiss. Now, I don't want to dwell too long on the kiss. That is kind of awkward for a lot of people. Yeah. I will just say that I was a was a Raylo to a degree until I learned that all the Raylos were insane. <laughs> so I would have been cool if they had lived happily ever after as a couple. Yeah, I wouldn't. But, have, I wouldn't have hated it. But for most people, the kiss came completely out of nowhere. Yeah. And so a lot of people cringed at that and still cringe at that. And then Ray, you know, after Kylo passes away and comes onto the Force. She saves the day, reunites with her friends, tears and joy and sadness. And, and I was crying my eyes out in the theater. I do admit, I confess it completely. No, it's funny when I go online and say, I cried at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I have to say, I cried with joy. <laughs> Some people cried with sorrow. Yeah. But I fully admit it, and I still do. Go down and watch it. And then she uh, travels to touch me to Luke's home. Pays respects to the Lars and then buries the lightsabers in the sand. And yeah. The old woman asked her, Who are you? Seeing the ghosts of Luke and Maya standing there, she says, Ray Scott. And that's the end of Ray. Ray's story. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that that whole like end scene on Tatooine was supposed to really like hit home for people and be like, oh yeah, she's taking on their name and, you know, they all might be gone, the bloodline, but she's taking on their name and carrying it on. And I suppose that's what the title of the movie was about, The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I I felt nothing when she said she was Ray Skywalker. I was like, okay, that's weird. But 
I I understand her, you know, not wanting to acknowledge her actual last name being Palpatine. Yeah. Like, I totally get that. I just don't know that I would want, personally, if that was me in that situation, that I would want to take on the last name of my teacher. I mean, I know that in a way that uh, they gave her a family that she hadn't had, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I still don't know if I would have been like, yeah, I'm a Skywalker now. You think it would have been interesting if she just said, I'm Ray." Yeah. And that brings us to the end of Ray. Um, overall, I think it's a fantastic journey that this character goes on. Me too. I think she's a fantastic character. <laughs> what are your final thoughts on Ray? Ray is probably my second favorite character in um, female character in Star Wars. Okay. She's my second favorite character in um, the sense that I just love Leia so much. Mm-hmm. But I can also see a lot of Leia echoed in Ray, even though Ray's not her daughter. And yeah. so I think that's one of the reasons why I connect with Ray so much. The, it's, it's really like Leia, Ray, and then Padme. Mm-hmm. Padme last simply because um, it la- last just last in this little you know order of three that I'm doing mm-hmm. um, simply because she didn't have the she didn't hit me as emotionally um, strong as Leia and Ray did. I love all three of them, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, that that would be my little order if I had to rank these characters in my head. Leia, then Ray, then Padme. Awesome. But Ray's so, Ray's so great. They're also great. She is. Yeah. They're, they're just also great. And that, my friends, brings us to the end of discussing these three great female characters from the Star Wars saga, the Skywalker saga. There are a lot of great female characters in Star Wars. We could spend hours discussing, but for the sake of brevity, we've kept it to these three. Let us all know what you think about these characters. Where do they land for you? What do you think about the great female characters of the Star Wars universe? I'd like to thank you, Adelia, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Brennan. To end with, what is it about Star Wars that you love? Oh, What makes um... you connect with it? Well, one of them is one of the things is the strong female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is is just how fantastical it is. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I my anxiety keeps me from watching like most movies because uh, like mm-hmm. I like thrillers and and things that have you know violence that could conceivably happen to me and stuff like that. I just can't mm-hmm. watch. But if I I can lose myself in a galaxy far far away for two hours or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. then that's something I really enjoy. Um, Star Wars, I think, hit me with The Phantom Menace when I first saw it at just mm-hmm. the right moment. I was 15 when The Phantom Menace came okay, out. Okay, so you're just a little older than me. So um, it was just the right thing at the right time. Because, um, like, Lord of the Rings is my favorite thing ever. Yes. We weren't quite there yet with the Lord of the Rings stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Star Wars sort of fit that like movie gap for me, mm-hmm. if you would want to call it that, where um, 
it's got a really good story it's got really good action it's got the bad guy that you kind of understand from the prequels mm-hmm. why he's the bad guy but he used to be the good guy that you really yeah. liked so it just it has a whole bunch of different like things that i really enjoy all wrapped up into one galaxy far far away and so mm-hmm. i just connect with it that is such a, a wonderful way to put it Star Wars touches people in so many ways and each of us has gone on our own journey with what Star Wars means to us and I think um, for me it's the spirituality of Star Wars that I've always connected with Mm -hmm. I'm a religious person and Star Wars has always connected with me because of that but regardless of what people love the bottom line is that Star Wars is one of the great movies of our time. Yes, definitely. Franchises, the great modern mythology, modern fairy tales that resonate with us just the way that the old fairy tales and myths would have long ago. Yeah, for sure. So those are my thoughts, and thank you for your thoughts. Thank you so much for your insight. Thank, Thank you, indeed, for, for choosing to come on. And I had a great people, time. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Adelia Chambo. Um, you can find me uh, running things over at the Let's Get Ready Network. I do a bunch of stuff for them. Uh, the Twitter and everything is at Let's Get Ready Net. I'm the one that tweets from it. Um, I'm a producer and the senior community manager over there which means i have a i do a whole bunch of things that you never see because it's all behind the scenes Mm -hmm. so um i check us out over there on youtube or on twitch and uh thank you so much for having me brennan thank you and uh, i know that you that i'm one of the people that can actually attest to adelia's skill as a as a producer on the let's get ready because I've actually been part of their analyses being in the first class yeah, league, yeah. so yeah you have all right well thank you so much Adelia thank you everyone for listening um my name is Vernon Marr that noise you're hearing is my ventilator and thank you for tuning in to this very special episode of the guest awakens on page turners they were not my Star Wars podcast May the force be with you.